Welcome to the Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey. Why values are the secret element of your leadership success. This week, we'll talk about the secrets of values-driven leadership together with the certified leadership coach Marika Nikinen, the international executive coach Mark Siles, and our special guest, the executive coach Monica Hernandez. And now, relax and enjoy. Welcome back. This is Mark and Marika. Today we'll be talking about why values are the secret element of our leadership success. Actually, I heard many of my customers wondering if this is something uh, too soft for organizations or something they should start adopting right now. Marika, you have been working with values-driven leadership for some time now. What does it mean and why are they important? So when we talk about leadership, so as a leader, you start with the values, your own values. And, and when you know who you are, you can lead yourself and then start to lead others. And uh, as you mentioned, I've been working for some, some time with different kind of tools on, on values-driven leadership. And one really interesting one is, is the Barrett Value Center's uh, Seven Levels of Consciousness model. As a leader, when, when I do an assessment of my own values, I, I can see uh, what is truly driving me in my life and what, what I bring to my working place. And uh, the model is called Seven Levels of Consciousness, and it tells, it tells about the level of thinking that I have as a leader. And in an organizational context, you can also see the level of, of consciousness and thinking of the organization. And uh, as, a, as a coach and a trainer, I, I strongly believe that we need to really know in a deeper way our organization and also as a leader, what is important for me to be able to truly make a cultural transformation, because that's the thing everybody is talking about nowadays. We want to make a transformation. We want to change and we want to drive. We want to grow and learn. And sometimes there's a, like a lot of contradictions in values. For example, if we only in an organization, if only profit is the important, short term profit, and we speak that, okay, we we want to give to our society. There's a huge gap actually in what we say and, and what we do. You have been training executives all around the world uh, on, on communications and influencing skills. So what do you think, how can uh, values be included in those and, and how can you be a better leader? Actually, that becomes, that becomes a very important field. It's not just, you know, what makes value leadership so important or even how to choose uh, how to choose those values but it's also how do we communicate to inspire for action and also to create uh, inspiration to actually do something with them and uh, just a research uh, about communication mentioned last september in the harvard business review uh, review magazine uh, this research has been done by uh, andrew carton and brian lucas and they tested two different groups, and in one of the focus groups, uh, in order to communicate a certain uh, certain vision, they focused just on language-based structure when communicating. So it's basically trying to use words that reflected certain attributes and trying to describe what that meant for the rest of the people. The other group, you know, instead of that, they were asked to use uh, imaginary photographs, vivid uh, images, and also they asked them to project themselves into the future, to kind of describe using all senses. 
what did they uh, what will they see what will they hear uh, what will they feel what would they uh, what will they be experiencing and building that story into their message using the, the the visions using the values to make that story really vivid to make it clear for people and explain what did it mean from their own perspective communicating to the audience engaging in that way and the second strategy was much much more effective according to the research uh, but then when we look into the how ceos or top leadership actually communicate most of the time they use the first uh, the first type of communication so what the research proves is that it's not just about the words that you use and the words chosen in order to send a message about which are the values important for you and the vision, but also how you engage emotionally. And in order to do that, uh, we usually follow a very simple three steps structure. Uh, inside the message, as I said before, like it's good to put yourself into that uh, future moment and describing not what it means, but actually what you're experiencing and give that, first of all, that sense of direction. So towards which place are you heading in that story? Which ambition? are you conceiving so how far do you want to get so within that story about what you experience uh, you should also have uh, messages uh, talking about the habits the attitudes the the behaviors that you are having that allow you to get to that certain stage and be clear and, con and concise about what did you actually achieve and then also the message that uh, sends the trust that you have in yourself that you will get there the trust that you have in the other team members and as well the trust that you have in the company in order to get there so the sense of direction the mission and the trust within the message it is key and then explaining it as it was something that happened already today talking from the future that's extremely extremely important and a way we can build a strong message to communicate values and inspire others to act accordingly driven by their core values inspire loyalty and commitment in their followers because they help them to find purpose and meaning in what they do and they bring out the best in the people who work alongside them. Kramer Jr. Management Professor We have today a special guest on the phone, Monica Hernandez. She is an executive coach an organizational development consultant with 25 years of corporate experience. He's specialized in emotional intelligence, positive leadership, and the psychology of change. Thanks for being here today with us, Monica. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mark. It's, it's a real pleasure because values are such an important part of organizational life and organizational success. Mm -hmm. uh, so thanks for dedicating the, this podcast to such an important issue. Mm -hmm. When we think in an environment where executives and managers uh, want to use values as a base to lead uh, an organization, how do you think that they can actually uh, do an analysis and select which are the values to be used uh, for that purpose? Well, I think the first thing to, to think about is that the managers or the leaders themselves should be involved in creating and selecting the values. It shouldn't be human resources on their own. Mm -hmm. If, if you think about some of the greatest values scandals that we've had in the last few years, like Enron, Enron had integrity as one of its core values. It actually had a 64-page ethical guidelines document. Wow. Um, but at, at, at the end of the day, employees chose to act unethically 
because they mimicked the behaviors that they saw around them. This is part of the, of the principles of influence uh, from Robert Cialdini. You may, you may know this as, as, as part of influence. Mm-hmm. There is one of the principles that Cialdini talks about, which is called social proof. And it says that at times of uncertainty, people look around, what are the people around me doing? And that's where they take their behavioral cues. So employees are going to look at what the leaders are doing and not what they're saying, and certainly not what the values poster on the wall created by human resources say. Um, It's the same thing in families with children. You know, if parents, we say one thing, but we act in another way, then children are going to follow what we do and not what we say. So leaders should be involved. And then, I mean, I'm just going to talk very, very succinctly some ways that I've worked with values. First of all is whether you are starting from scratch or there is an overarching theme to, uh, to the project. So if they're starting from scratch, I normally either get the leaders to undertake Hogan, you know, the Hogan questionnaire in the leadership pack, there is one of the... One of the questionnaires is the motives, values, and preferences inventory. So in that, you get 10 values and you get your individual score of, where, of, of how important those values are to you. But also, you can create a group report. So you could have a senior leadership team and you get what are the shared values. And then that is uh, very good as a starting uh, point discussion for, for what the values are going to be. That's right. Another one that I've used quite uh, successfully, it's the Organizational Culture Assessment Inventory. It's called OK, O-C-A-I, by King Cameron and Robert Quinn from the University of Michigan. It goes through some questions to then classify the culture that you have at the moment and the culture that you desire. So here are just a few. Super interesting, Monica. What about involving the employees? How do you do that? I think it's important to involve the employees, but I think the values should actually come from the leadership team because they are the ones that are going to be making the the most crucial decisions. So if you involve the employees and they have a set of values and then their leaders don't have the same values, then what are you going to do? They're going to feel this franchise like uh, you asked me and now you ignore me. Or if they just take the employees' values, but the leaders don't share them, mm. uh, then eventually those values are just not going to be upheld. So I think it should come top down and then involve them in the implementation. Mm. So what do you think, what are the main impacts when, when a company is value-driven led? Um, what is the impact? Well, I, I mean, it's several, really. Uh, first of all, it clarifies it clarifies how to make decisions at crucial times because you can always fall back on the values as a kind of compass. Uh, But also for multinational companies, it's a way of gelling different cultures. So it's a way of creating a corporate culture that is above their individual national cultures. So that if employees move from country to country or if you've got remote teams that are working together on a project, then at least they've got something that joins them. Also, I mean, in times of rapid growth or rapid change, it gives you something to fall back on so that if you've got many people coming from different organizations all joining 
then you've got a common jail. Or in periods of rapid change, you go back, you go back to the values and it's what do our values tell us about endurance, about resistance, about having a positive attitude and strength in, in, in those times of change. Have you had a personal experience in the case when uh, you saw a team or a specific client you work with that uh, what you said now, that uh, using values as their kind of compass that has helped them to go through those struggles? One of the companies that I've worked for, we did a two-year leadership program. And one of the things that we really stressed was listening to other people and understanding that people have different personalities, but you can adapt. And also that through emotional intelligence and emotional regulation, sometimes we have unproductive behaviors, but those can fall back under our control. So we had look at techniques of how to do that. So the basic value that you can regulate yourself and also that you can listen to the others and adapt. Subsequently, the senior leadership team changed and they gathered together and they really helped each other and they and they listened to one another. Yeah. What, what do you see are the or could be the obstacles and challenges when companies are really wanting to lead values-drivenly? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, something that could happen is if, if two very senior people or two p- parts of the, of the senior leadership team want different things, so they've got competing values, you have to decide, okay, so which one, which one are we going for? This can happen, for instance, in companies that have been driven quite a lot by tradition They've been more like internally focused on tradition and then they suddenly want to change. So they may bring somebody from the outside and that person brings their own team. And maybe they are more outward looking and um, it's what is called a market culture, which is more outward looking. So then it's a little bit confusing going back to the family analogy. It's, uh, it's as if mommy is saying one thing and daddy saying something else. So then... At the end of the day, the employees, like the children, they try and appeal and choose the one that they are, uh, that they think is going to say yes uh, to whatever they want. So, uh, I mean, in, in periods of changing culture, so that can happen. So you need to have the discussion, okay, which of these is going to be the prevalent one? Because if we want to change, then we all need to change. And it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel unpleasant, but we should put the compass on the table and say, all right, we are going north or northeast or northwest, and that's where all of us are going. Something else that can happen is there are quite a lot of companies that are successful in creating a culture, but then they can become a little bit clicky. I mean, if you think about uh, companies like um, uh, traditionally General Electric or more recently Amazon, They've got very, very strong values. And the sense is that, well, then perhaps they are not so diverse because people who don't fit with the values, they quickly, they join and they go. So culture and values 
are fantastic. Uh, it, it allows you to do a better work. It's a little bit like the oil that, that can make the wheels go faster and without uh, many problems. But if a culture or some values are very well defined, then obviously by definition it's not going to be such a diverse culture because people who would espouse the values are the ones who are going to, who are going to uh, be promoted and who are going to feel absolutely comfortable. Unless, of course, diversity is one of your values and you make that at the core of your culture. Okay. So if I understand your, uh, your point is made that just, you know, of course, having a, an important set of values in common, it's important. And the skills and the ability to accept the differences, to accept that somebody else may have a different opinion about it or a different perspective in, into which values he or she have, has the, the ultimate secret to the success of that team, more than just having 100% shared values, is it the acceptance and understanding of uh, each other perspectives that will give the secret of success? Well, if that is in your culture, I mean, there's nothing wrong to say, well, in this culture, we stand by tradition or hierarchy. You know, there are certain cultures or speed. And mm -hmm. I think when you state your values, uh, you are saying what you are and what you are not. You cannot be too woolly with the values because eventually they, they become useless. If acceptance is a value, so if acceptance is, is one of your company's values because maybe you've got uh, multiple nationalities, multiple religions, multiple, uh, then you make acceptance or tolerance or diversity one of your core values. And then that, that becomes your value. Some of the American companies for instance, traditionally, they've had some values that have been, well, incredibly strong. Like, for instance, if teamwork is one of your values, there's still a lot of people who, even though a lot of the work is done through teams, there's still a lot of people. I, I, I mean, I find them in coaching, well, I'm sure that you find them as well, that you go through the personality questionnaires and time and time again, they say, well, I prefer to work on my own. It doesn't mean that they cannot work in a team. They cannot force themselves to work in a team, but they, it's something in their core value. If they could choose, if they didn't have a culture forcing them to, to work more in teams, they would choose to work on their own. Mm -hmm. Especially there is quite a lot of senior people that once they reach seniority, they are not so good at working at, as a team. So mm -hmm. I always challenge the senior leadership teams because, say, if they want teamwork, I say, well, this is wonderful, but how are you working as a team? You need to model that behavior. So if you yourselves are not working as a team, if you're only switching on in the parts of the conversation that are about your area of the business and switching off when your area is not being discussed, well, that's not teamwork. So if that's the way that you want to work, then fine, but don't put teamwork as one of the key aspects, uh, as, 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 as one of the core values. So, I mean, this generates really interesting discussions because it's very easy to come up with uh, six really woolly values like, okay, acceptance, integrity, teamwork. We can create values now within five minutes. Mm -hmm. But the, the important discussion is actually not so much the selection of the values, but having the discussion, saying why this one and not that other one. Are you using it? How are you going to model that in, in, in real life? How do you want people to apply this? What are the critical incidents that they are going to face and what do you want them to do in, in each of those critical incidents? You said real life. Let me ask you a, a little personal question. Uh, when you think about 
your private life, Monica. How do you how do you see value-based leadership uh, impacting on, uh, on that dimension? If you want to share that with us, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, I mean, I, I it's a it's a topic that is is actually is very dear to my heart. I mean, my my vision or my purpose in my work is to make um, organizations more more human. I see that as digitalization uh, increases, it's even more important those times when people are interacting. So certainly for me, for me, listening and helping people think for themselves, well, I think that's what we do in coaching, right? Where you are creating the environment so that people think for themselves. So having the possibility of bringing your authentic self into work and not kind of changing and becoming a completely different person. So authenticity for me is important. Uh, simplicity is another value that, that for me is important. Listening, simplicity, and compassion, which compassion really, it's, it's got its roots in empathy. So it's about, it's a little bit aligned to the acceptance that you were talking about. So when you are kind of recognizing what the other person might be, might be going through and you are there with them, those are values that are really, really important in my work. So like uh, Monica, just thanks a lot. You know, we really appreciate the time you spent with us today. And uh, thank you very much for giving us your views and your opinions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark and Marika. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. It'll be great to come back. Thank you. Based on our discussion and interview with Monica, which are the recommendations we could give to the listeners that are wondering how to use value-based leadership to build a stronger corporate culture? The first recommendation we could give to our listeners is that shared values gives meaning to the way decisions are made. Actually, they complement the financial and other objective uh, criteria that uh, companies may use. So culture is a shared phenomenon. It just doesn't exist because the management team designs it in a meeting room. Uh, it's a good uh, first step, but actually they have to work together, uh, together with the employees to put those values chosen into action and drive the wanted habits and attitudes. So just to make it happen. Otherwise, it's just a nice, as Monica said before, it's going to be just a nice poster on the wall. Mm, exactly. Uh, the second one uh, is that values really are a foundation of a company. So as I mentioned, the Barrett's value assessment tools, uh, that's a good way to start the journey of becoming value-driven company. You can, you can do the assessment and really see where are we now and based on the information, based on, on the consciousness and thinking we have, based on the con values we have now, we can start building even more successful company. Actually, what you said now of uh, checking where where are we now, it brings to the to the third and last point, and it's also wrapping up a bit of uh, what we talk, what Monica has been saying, and the first two points, and it comes down to credibility, and that's extremely important. So, what what is what is it said, and what it's done through all different levels in the organization becomes critical. However, if there are feelings that the leader's uh, talk or the management talk is not aligned with, uh, with their actions, it's going to backfire. So we also have seen uh, cases where value-based leadership has backfired just because of this case. You know, what they preach and what they said was not aligned 
with uh, what was practiced. One example about this case is uh, during a conference, uh, I was listening to one director talking that in their company it was all about people. It was the most important asset. And then right away, he started to talk about the important focus they were having about developing their technical uh, skills and also making sure that people don't get sick leaves. So even if they don't feel well, that to make sure that they go to work. And that's when, you know, things just don't go hand in hand. So that was one example where some of the values about putting people first did not align at all. And actually you could see how the performance of this company through the time went down. And I believe that that's one of the main reasons when the credibility of their messages and their values uh, was not aligned with what was happening within the company. That's a good example of, of that possible contradiction in walking to talk. So that was all for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we are looking forward to having you again with us next time. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our bi-weekly podcast. And remember, this is about spreading and sharing the knowledge. So feel free to forward this audio to anybody you believe could get any benefit out of it. Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey.